this week on Hope for the Broken. When God established a people and we as the church stepped into that meta narrative, that's our story. He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And your job is to turn around and bless everybody who's not like you. Not to hold on to the blessing. You're a conduit to reflect back what I intend for people. That's what it means to be the church. It means to be people of blessing. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we celebrate our church's 40th anniversary. I have with me in the studio our pastor, Chris Wigley. Pastor Chris, talk to us about the significance of 40 years of ministry. Thank you, Austin. Well, you know, 40 is a significant number in the Bible when you think about it. You know, uh, it rained 40 days and 40 nights when God flooded the earth in the days of Noah. Uh, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days uh, before he uh, went public with his ministry. And then even uh, Jonah preached to the city of Nineveh, albeit reluctantly, and he said, uh, 40 days yet and Nineveh will be overthrown. Uh, 40 is a significant number. It's actually a number of testing in the scriptures. And so for us to celebrate 40 years of ministry is extremely special. And for us to have done it the way in which we did uh, was extra special. And uh, I'm fired up not only about the past that we have as of our church, but what the next 40 years of our church is going to look like. Thank you, Chris. Let's join our founding pastor, Reggie McNeil, with his message titled, Be the Church. I've been working on this sermon for a year. I look back to it, it was January of last year that Chris you know, so very graciously extended an invitation. I don't think he thought I'd live this long. But um, so then I caught up to my invitation and I showed up. So he has to put me on here. So working on a sermon for a year, it really doesn't get better. I mean, it just gets longer. And, um, but you don't worry about it because where I come from, it's already lunchtime. And, um, and I woke up thinking about lunch. Uh, so uh, you'll, you'll be out of here in plenty of time. I promise we, we can do it. Kathy and I, last night, we talked after uh, just a wonderful time. Uh, I appreciate uh, just the chance to see folk who've, who shared a big chunk of our lives. I mean, those 10 years were so... Um, well, we had our babies here. We, it's, it's just... Uh, I don't know if 10 years could be fuller than other 10 years, but we still feel like those were the most impactful years of our life. And, uh, and we feel still like this is our church home when we come. And uh, if you could have a little more energy during worship, that would help. Um, <laughs> we, we, we always did. We always had just a great time. I mean, uh, the Trinity was... Uh, Started for lots of reasons, but one is we just we we just really wanted people to experience the joy of the Lord and what it means to be connected with Him, and so uh, you've kept that up, and and I you know uh, you've had great leaders through the through the years. Uh, you're in great hands now. 
um, year. And so I'm not going to talk anymore about the past because uh, it was wonderful. But your next 40 is going to be better than your last 40. Um, and uh, you, because the impact that you're making, the scorecard that you're beginning to keep in real, real serious ways you through the years. But it's, I mean, 40 years from now, Trinity will be a network church of churches, uh, church as congregation, but it's going to be churches as restaurant and churches, uh, you know, sports bar and churches, uh, you know, health club. It's, I mean, because it's going to take greater and more expressions. I mean, you've got 500 churches you've been part of. Most of those follow the congregational modality, you know, but but of course, that's what we've had in our, our, you know, our backpack for the last 1,700 years in the Western church. But I'm telling you, what's happening is God is busting out these new, new wineskins, and there's new stuff going on. And it's not about church as institution, although that's not unimportant. But we're, we're beginning to see what I believe is the, the, the kingdom age when we're going to recapture and reposition what it means to be church as movement. It's not about doing church in the future. It's about being church better. Because I can tell you, doing church, I mean, my goodness, I mean, Tom's already talked about, you know, less than half of the folks. This is true across the country. For the first time in America's history, uh, the number of people who identify with any church at all has slipped below 50%. And uh, in some places, uh, it's... it's uh, it's, it's far less than that. When I go out to the Pacific Northwest, we're talking about single-digit uh, affiliations with any religious affiliation. So if we can't figure out how to be church where people already are, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to get, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to mix it up with folks right in the middle of their life. There are numbers of the number of people who are susceptible to being congregationalized, uh, in other words, turned into church people, is a dwindling number of folk, particularly as you go down the generational food chain. By the time we get to, you know, Gen Z's, uh, which I never thought we would call Gen Z's, you know, it sounds like an herbal supplement, uh, you know, that. <laughs> It's delivered discreetly to your door. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, by the time we get to these 20-somethings that are all over here, I mean, um, their, their affiliation rate with any religious anything is one in three. One in three has any identification. And as Tom said, with anything, not just uh, Christian, but Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Wiccan, uh, cat-killing, uh, is Karen still here? Uh, she, uh, Karen Okerson was on staff. Where are you, Karen? So, so uh, Karen is an ex-friend of ours. And um, <laughs> so Kathy and I go out on a date, right? We, oh, it's Friday night. We did this every It was our, our night. We come home, and uh, Jessica and Susanna, they're seven, nine, six, eight, somewhere right around in there. And they hold up two kittens. Karen had been by and graced our home with two kittens while we were out uh, enjoying uh, dinner together. And so look what Karen brought us. And, and uh, it was, I found out I'm allergic to cats. I, I took shots for two years to learn to live with the beasts. And, and I fantasized with every shot about giving the cats a shot. I mean, why would, why should 
I'd be the one having an allergic reaction. Why can't the cat start snotting and sneezing when I walk in the room? But I love my kids. We kept the cats. But it, um, uh, and thank you, Karen. Still, we still have the doctor bills rolled up for you. But uh, the but we're we're talking about a culture that is increasingly only going to be suspect to be turned toward Jesus when the gospel is demonstrated, not just talked about. There was a time when we could talk about it. Proclamation was the number one deal. But um, the demonstration has replaced proclamation, and, and that's where you come in because it's always been part of the DNA here, but you're accelerating that and you're going to need to accelerate. What does it mean to be church better? Uh, because it is, it is a way of being in the world. It's a verb. It's not a place. The church is not a destination. I mean, that's like, uh, I mean, Kathy and I, we, we flew through Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport uh, just to get here, you know, and I fly through there all the time. I mean, Delta owns my soul, that part of the country. And, um, and I can tell you that about, it's the world's busiest airport, 260, 70,000 people a day go through that airport. I've met most of them. Uh, they, they're generally in front of me in line at Popeye's Chicken. And, um, and so, you know, the, the airport about once a week gets the scorecard confused. Apparently they think they're winning when all the planes are on the ground, everyone, the concourse is full of people. And, and, you know, when that's happening, and we've heard about it through Southwest and all this stuff like that, when that happens, people are upset because they're not getting to their destination because the airport was never designed to be a destination. It's supposed to get you somewhere else. And nobody in here has on your coffee table at home great airports of the world. You know, we spent a week there. It's fabulous. I mean, uh, you know, we're getting up a trip to go back uh, and we're, you know, selling seats on this. I mean, so, so my point, if I can remember it, I'm going to share it with you. Um, the church is not the destination. The kingdom is the destination, and I'm going to get right to that in a minute. But the church plays an important role as the hub. It is a place, it gets people to the real, I mean, if you don't do your job, if Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson International Airport doesn't do its job, I don't get to pursue my life's work. If you don't do your job as the hub, people are going to miss the destination. And if we, if we pretend that we're the destination, we're out of sync with the mission that God is up to. So I want to start there. All of that was introduction. <laughs> and like I said, I've got 17 points to, to come. I'm just real simple. I, it, it's, it's interesting to me what people think Jesus came for. I can tell you he did not come to establish religion. We did that. Um, God hates religion. Religion's a problem for I think hell's the most religious place in the universe. Constant worship service, Bible studies probably. Because, I mean, the devil knows all the stuff that we sing and all of it. It's just that he doesn't. I mean, it, it, because religion is about control and fear. Jesus came to end religion. Because 
All God wants is a relationship. That's why he made every single person on the planet, including you. All he wants with you is you. And what is amazing is that sometimes, like Atlanta Airport, we get the scorecard confused and we think he's up to other stuff. Jesus came to prove to us and to show to us that God's original intent for all humanity is such a much better opportunity for people to experience the life that God intended. Because the kingdom that Jesus talked about 90 plus times, the kingdom is all about life as God intends. Now, by the way, we start the Bible in a garden. What's in the middle of the Garden of Eden? The tree of life. And when God gives life, in fact, when Eden is disintegrating, God sends an angel to stand guard over that tree because life is a gift from God. There's only one source of life. And he never takes it back. When they put Olivia, our grandchild, in my arms, I thought for the first time, coterminous with actually holding a grandma, I'm holding a creature who will never cease to exist. Nor will you. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you've never dealt with a mere mortal. <laughs> every person you pass, every server that, that takes care of you at, at a restaurant, every person who looks after your car, every person who does your nails, every person who cuts your lawn, every person who works in that cubicle beside you or whatever, every single human being created for good. See, people are built to last. Not companies, not even congregations, but people are forever. Now, Jesus, and by the way, just to give a little more, at the end of the book, we've got, we've moved to a city from a garden, and in the city of God, flowing right down the middle of the city is the river of what? Life. By the way, the answer to every question is life. <laughs> I've been around long enough to know how to guide you toward, you know, I want you to ace this exam. And Jesus, right in the middle of the book, oh, and by the way, by that river on both sides are trees of life that, whose fruit never go out of season, the author says, for the eternal nature of this thing. Life is the point. Life. It, because Jesus says right in the middle of the book, then he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and what? I'm the life. What life? The kingdom life. That's why he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your, thy kingdom come on earth. Jesus was more concerned. I mean, I grew up in a tradition where we were so concerned about getting people to heaven, and that's not a wrong idea. That's a good one. We baptized folks this morning. It was tremendously exciting to see college-age people make a decision for Jesus. And I loved it when a couple of them coming up out of the water went, yes! I mean, because, my goodness, we should all be on the back of our chairs going, ooh, 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 ooh. I mean, you know, I mean, we make a bigger deal over getting a driver's license. And these folks have just determined, you know, that they're going to follow Jesus the rest of the life. Oh, my gosh. There's, anyway, so I, where, where was I? 
when you interrupted, I think, with a question. <laughs> I don't know. I... <laughs> At least you're not putting a video of me up there. I was terrified that was going to happen. Those video ads about 70 pounds. So what Jesus came to do, he says, I've come to live the life that you're supposed to live, that God had in mind for you to live. You see, I know Jesus did miracles, but you know, we're supposed to be miracle people. Now, I don't mean growing people's legs and stuff like that, but we're supposed to be people that in the, in the midst of a culture that has gripped my nihilism and nowhere to go, we're supposed to be people of hope. That is a countercultural message today. I don't care if you listen to CNN or Fox or any of the stuff, it's all designed to make you lose hope. We're the people of hope. We're supposed to be the people of grace. We're supposed to be the people of abundance that, that say, you know, yeah, give me, give me what you got. We'll work with that. Just like Jesus did to feed 5,000 or however many. I can never remember if it's five loaves or five fish and two loaves. I can never remember the story. Whatever he had. We're supposed to be. So, and people of truth. People of, and so he said, I want you to see the life. Jesus was the most human being that ever lived on this planet because he embodied perfectly the life that God envisioned for people to have. So that was his mission, to show us the kingdom. He was very, more concerned or very concerned to bring heaven to earth, not just get earthlings to heaven. And so he invited us then, if you want to follow me, then this is the way. And it's all about the kingdom. So somewhere in those slides I sent you is a, a description where, where Jesus said, yeah, and, and y'all know this, I'll build, I will build my church. Pastor Chris has already said, this is Jesus' church, and hell will not overcome it because Jesus came. The kingdom is all about taking back everything that hell has stolen. Every brokenness, every disappointment, every pain and suffering, every loss of dream of life, the ills that confront us, human trafficking, inequality of, of opportunity, the, the, the inability to have mental care, health care, all of the stuff that grips us, people without homes, people without you know, access to health care, all, all of those things, that's stuff that hell has taken. And Jesus came to take it back. And he said, you're going to finish this mission. And so I think of when I think about you and I think about what the church is, we were created for one thing. We are the people of God. This goes all the way back to Abraham, which I'll revisit in a minute. We're partnering with Jesus and God in his redemptive mission because he's taken everything back and it's happening in the world. I will confess to you, I grew up in a world where I was told it was such a church-centric world that if you want to see God most clearly show up on Sunday, we've got God on a schedule. He comes 
sometimes twice, makes a reappearance on Sunday night, checks in on Wednesday just to make sure. And so it was this idea that, and if you had a gift, it was to serve God at the church. We just turned every gift into some kind of church committee assignment. Instead of a gift of hospitality, oh, you ought to be having the neighborhood party. You know, I'm, you know we, we made church people out of it. And so I didn't always understand that the real mission of God, it's not about building a church and having a great worship service. The game's out there. The game is life. That's the point. Now, by the way, to use a football analogy, we're almost through the football season. Well, the Cowboys, they're through. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to bring that up anymore. How many, I mean, when the book of the Revelation talks about people around the throne saying, Lord, how long? It's cowboy fans. Lord, how long? Anyway, um, I don't know why you brought that up. Um, I tell you, this family is a real problem down here. Um, uh, You don't play a football game so you can have halftime. You have halftime so you can play a better football game. What team, what team would come out busted out of the locker room saying, yeah, I know we're losing, but you should have heard the coach's halftime talk. It was incredible. He's in a six-week series. And the music, oh, man, the music. Are you kidding Halftime's not the point. You go, what kind of crazy? Get back in the game. This is halftime. This is where we do whatever it takes to be reminded of the mission, the game strategy, what our challenges are. Scout out the opposing team. Remind us. Bind us up. Give us some rest. I remember coming. I just rem I remember one day walking through when I was here, and, and a single mom came in, and, and she had 400 children. Uh, and it just, it seemed like it. It was this, this storm that just approached the door. And, and, and she came through the door, and she sat down, all the packages she brought with the kids, and she literally went, someone else can look after them for the next hour, you know? And she says, I just need a break. And I said, well, then why don't you bring the message today? Because I think I need one too. But she, she did. I mean, I don't know why we have to work on God's day off. Anyway, um, so your next 40, like your last 40, but it's going to become more and more intentional. Your acts of service this week, that's where the game is. It's your act as an employer to make sure that the people who work for you are being nurtured and cared for because that's the life God wants for them. It's your job as an employee to make sure that you're being a good steward of what's afforded to you and you're turning in good work because that's the life God wants for you. It's, it's taking care of that office cubicle neighbor, that neighbor across the street that nobody else likes. That's where the game is. And you're going to get better and better and better at it. 
because it comes from a very deep place, and that's where I want to go in Genesis. Oh, you put it up there already. What are you trying to do, hurry me along? You know, these are unseen people that are sending these messages. I don't even know if they're people or not. I mean, this thing has a mind of its own. All right, so when God established a people and we as the church stepped into that meta-narrative, that's our story. He said to Abraham, he said, Abe, I'm going to bless you. And your job is to turn around and bless everybody who's not like you. People who are sacrificing kids to Molech, running drugs off the coast, you know, uh, involved in human trafficking, uh, pulling for the wrong team, the 49ers. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, Abe, your job is to bless all those people, not to hold on to the blessing. You're a conduit to reflect back what I intend for people. So that's what, it, that's what it means to be the church. It means to be people of blessing. So occasionally, since I only have one sermon, it goes like this. Oh, that was point number one. I just say, let's go practice being the people of God this week. Let's just have some fun at it. Bless, bless three people. There's not four. Don't wear God out. He has limited resource, and there's a war going on. I mean, he's busy. Bless three people intentionally now, not like rake and run or pay it forward, you know, or whatever. Hmm. No, you do it. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. Literally, it can be like, you know, how's it going? How can I ask God to bless you? Or like, like at a restaurant. I remember outside of San Francisco, you know, the center of the Christian world, a pastor picked me up and we stopped at this Italian restaurant, little Italian restaurant. By the way, have you ever been in a big Italian restaurant? Why are they all little? Anyway, so um, so I, we're at this, and there's, there's just two tables because it's late at night. And so I think he wanted to show off a little bit, but we were talking about something. I'd known him for a while, and so he asked the waitress, he asked the waitress, uh, you know, she, she, he said, we're going to have a blessing for our meal in, in a minute. Is there something we can pray for you about? Just Now, by the way, Kathy and I have done that. I've never had a waitress or waiter throw down a tray, call the ACLU, have me thrown out of the restaurant for being a religious bigot. I have had waiters and waitresses sit down at the table tell me their life story more than I wanted. I say, look, I'm just, I don't really mean that. I was just doing this for a sermon illustration. I <laughs> took me serious. This is back up. So this particular night, um, there were just two tables left. As soon as Gary asked her that, she said, I'll be right back. Hang on, let me go get this table wrapped up. Now, about half the time when that happens, they don't come back because I'm scared. I mean, remember J.J.? J.J. Longhorns, where we live. First time I asked him, J.J., is, can we pray for you? Something? And J.J. looks nothing like, I mean, we're totally different. He's tall, he's skinny. Um, he had body ink all over telling the story. He had so much 
stuff hanging from his ears and every other thing that, I mean, JJ would never get through TSA. Well, they'd have to take his head off and ship it separately. And so, uh, so I, we, you know, I asked JJ if, if I could pray for him, scared him to death. He ran and hid. He didn't come back out of the kitchen the whole time I was there. And, um, but you know, uh, but I, I start, and I've got two stories open right now, don't I? <laughs> well, let me finish one. I got like seven screens that I'm looking at. Uh, People say, sometimes say, boy, you got a lot going on in your brain. No, nothing's going on in my brain. That's the problem. I'm searching for anything. To... So, JJ, it's, it's, it's Friday lunch. Busy. It's Longhorns. And Kathy gets up and goes to the restroom. JJ comes, he stands at the end of the table, and he says, uh, Reggie, I just want to let you know I'm moving. Now, by the way, I've been back to that restaurant a hundred times since that first day, I never brought it back up. I didn't want to, you know, my job's not to pester JJ. God gets people ready. He says, I want you to know I'm moving. I said, you are? Where are you going? Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, and then I said, is this a good move for you? He said, yeah, I got friends there. I said, way to go, JJ. Good for you. I'll ask God to bless you. That was the only other time I mentioned. And then I slid down the booth I was in to get some chemicals for my tea and I get back to where I started and JJ's still standing there with his head bowed waiting on me to pray for him I mean what is this all about I mean it's it's been, so of course I ask him to hold hands and kneel I mean it's important that this be really hard on him uh, so that it would count, you know, as a spiritual. As a, oh, so I, I just did, I prayed over it. I didn't start with the Constitution. I just, you know, prayed that God would bless it. I have, J.J. did not look up. He did not convert on the spot. He did, he did not say, oh, what doth prohibit me from being baptized? I mean, you know, because, I mean, all he had was a salad sink to work with. It would have been a little bit of a challenge anyway. But, the, you know, you never know. It's not your job to close the deal because you don't know who else has been in that. I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. That'll be a third story. Hang on. <laughs> what was the other one I was at? Oh, yeah, so at Gary, thank you. I, you weren't there, but I told you about it. So Gary says to this waitress, and she says, I'll be back. She did come back. She sat out. The manager made a couple of passes, saying that he didn't know who had who hostage. She says, you know, my boyfriend and I, we'd already established that she was uh, living with a guy, you know, and they weren't married, and they had a kid together and all that stuff. So we told her right off that, you know, if you don't get married and straighten up, God's not going to bless you. I mean, this is, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> what a bunch of Pharisees out here, I can tell you. <laughs> What are you recruiting here? I mean, so, so um, you know, uh, she said, and my boyfriend's grandmama died last week, and he was really close to her. And she said, last night, he came in the door. I'd already gone to bed and said, and he's watching television, a, a TV evangelist. And she said, he announced to me, I need God in my life. 
you guys have any idea what I could tell him? Of course, I deferred to the professional pastor uh, to take it from there. The truth is, you never know. All you do to bless people is just give God, you're just opening up the opportunity for God to show up and show off. You never know where you are in the chain. I'll tell you one more story. I don't care how much you beg for more. This is it. <laughs> I just now looked at the clock. It's time to go. I would say, let's end in prayer, but I would look out and half of y'all would be gone already. <laughs> I can't make this up. This time it's a church in Dallas. I speak there... I spoke there about once a month for six months or whatever. I gave my one sermon that you're hearing. Went back, didn't have anything else to say, but I was back anyway. And a woman came up to me at the end of the ser uh, service. She said, Reggie, you know when you were here last time and told us, about I said, yeah, that's the only sermon I've got, yeah. She said, well, the next day I flew to Zurich on a business trip. She said, we landed. It was raining cats and dogs. She said, couldn't even see across the street. Got on the bus to head downtown to the hotel to freshen up before I went into my, my meeting. And she said, man got on the bus, no umbrella, dripping wet. Speaking in his cell phone, he, she said, I couldn't tell if it was Spanish or Italian. But he was just drenched. And she said, the Lord said to me, Give this man your umbrella. She said, Lord, he doesn't want my umbrella. I'm pretty certain of it. Doesn't go with this suit. It's purple. And he's going to be offended that I'm going to ask him, you want an umbrella? Like, shouldn't you have an umbrella? Duh. And she said, I woke up realizing I'm arguing with God about the color of my umbrella when all he said was, just give it away. Sir, she said. You speak English some. Take my umbrella. It's an expensive suit. You can take my umbrella. No, 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 I can't do it. Please take it back and forth, back and forth. He said, finally, why are you insisting I take it? She said, because God told me to give it to you. Well, he didn't want to argue with her and God. <laughs> so he took the umbrella, padded off into the, the next stop, back into one of those tall buildings in the middle of Zurich disappeared. That night, one of her colleagues who went with, flew there with her sat down at the table and started telling her about this strange occurrence in this meeting where he was earlier that day, a guy coming in to the meeting with a purple umbrella saying, I just had the most bizarre encounter on the bus. Was a, and this guy, who was also a Jesus follower, her co-worker, just knew, just could sense that God was somehow getting this guy's attention. And so he led him to become a Jesus follower right after that business meeting. You never know where you are in the line. You may be the first one to plant a seed or even to clear ground, or you may be right there when folks are ready to make a decision. I did not tell you the truth. I have one more story. Three emails. I'd spoken in California 
Beverly Hills, Episcopal Church. Very nice people. Very rich people. I think they were God's people. And so we, I did my thing, left, got an email. We called Reggie, our small group. We think we visit every Starbucks in three blocks around our church. We're going to bless them all. Let you know how it goes. Email number two. Our group is reporting some strange reactions from baristas, but we're still at it. We're still email number three. Today, one of our group went in a Starbucks. They don't normally go in and order their coffee. And when the barista started to hand the coffee to them, our small group member said, "Is thank you for your coffee and your good work. How can I ask God to bless you? The barista pulled the coffee, jerked the coffee back and said, are you one of those blessing people? That's what you want to hear all over Mount Pleasant. And guess what? That is who you are. (laughs) How cool is that? We are the blessing people. We have this privilege. We have this responsibility to go through life just to know that people are experiencing God's life for them because you've reflected His blessings toward them. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.